This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. You're listening to Rams Talk Podcast. The home of Derby County Hello and welcome to Rams Talk Reaction episode 35. That was dramatic, wasn't it? Um, let me know if you uh, if you like the new intro. It certainly blew our ears off here in the, uh, I guess, what you class as the studio. Um, we've got four brilliant lads here, three of the regulars and a brilliant guest in uh, Goal Hanger, but we'll get to him in a moment. Um, first off of the usual lads, Vic Singh, how you doing? Guys, how you doing? I'm all good. Good man, good man. I'm doing good, thank you. Uh, we've also got Callum Bucock. All good, mate. Thank you very much. Yeah, good to see you. Good to see you. And we've also got Chris Redwood. How are you, Chris? Hello, mate. All good. Thank you very much. Good, good stuff. Great to hear. And our uh, special guest, as we mentioned before, is uh, Adam Titley, or Goal Hanger, as he's more commonly known, who's uh, stepped in in Jamie's absence, as Jamie's currently touring Munich somewhere. Um, so, Adam, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. Good stuff. Good stuff. Great to hear. So, we're here. We uh, we kind of thought or, or hoped that we were going to be here celebrating a win today. Um, Burton away, obviously they've they've struggled this season and we end up coming away from it with a one-all draw, which is uh, probably a little bit less than what we all expected. I think the first thing to talk about, and, and Adam, I'm going to come to you first here, is uh, James Collins. Um, earlier this season, 
we spoke on Radio Derby and you made a really big prediction and you said James Collins was going to hit 15 goals. And I completely disagreed with you live on air. This is when he'd only got one league goal, I think. I mean, I was completely wrong. Uh, what did you make of his performance and, and his performances so far? I think he's definitely grown into the role he's playing and definitely the style of football he's playing suits him a lot. I think at Burton we saw great reaction to our hands cross to loop it over the goalkeeper. I thought he was going over the bar, but really superb header. But I think at times he's dropped in a bit too deep, which probably hasn't helped him. But yeah, I, th- I think he'll still be on track for a good goal-scoring record come the end of the season. <laughs> you got to hope so, haven't you? Uh, and Vic, I mean, we mentioned there... Before Paul Warren joined, James Collins looked a bit of a shell of a player, didn't he? I was one of those that maybe thought he was finished and, you know, it's a bit of a cringe thing to say, I know. But I I did think that maybe that was it. You know, his goal-scoring exploits were behind him, but he's been sensational, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been very prolific. Um, I think Paul Warren's instilled that confidence into him that he probably needed. And I think the formation changes really helped him as well. I always thought when he was leading leading the line up top, he was very isolated in most of the games he was playing under Liam. Since we've gone like that two up top with McGoldrick, he's, he's formed a really good partnership with McGoldrick. So that's allowed him to express himself more in terms of his attacking intent. He's getting into good positions and he's he's smashing in the goals. Some of the finishes he's come across, even the one against Burton, was a cracking header. Like uh, That's a guy that's in for. Um, and hopefully, long may that James Collins hype train continue. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember which one of you was it that started that last week. No, it was, was it you. Was, uh, I started like, in that episode like twelve. <laughs> Good man, you see, you know football, Vic. That's what it is. And and Callum Vic mentioned there the goal. I mean, it's a tremendous header, isn't it? To I don't think it was probably the best ball from Horahad, and, and Collins manages to redirect it right over the keeper, right, you know. It's not in the roof of the net, is it? But it's 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 very close to the crossbar. No, no, you're right. I mean, when when it first happened, I thought it was just kind of one of them that just hit his head and it just just went in and it kind of just redirected off his forehead. But when you actually watch the replay back, um, he's he's fully turned his neck and he's put it straight on target. And like I said, for it to loop as it is, and it's probably not the best cross. It's a striker's finish, and it's something that we've been crying out for for. They're all season, and if we can, and obviously Paul Warren's going to tune out of him, as as you've been saying. So, well, may, may that continue. And, and Chris, I mean, when this episode goes out, I'm going to give it some really clickbaity title along the lines of James Collins is the best strike we've had since Chris Martin. But would you actually agree with that statement? Um, I think, in terms of his heading ability, uh, he proved yesterday. I don't think we've had a player capable of doing that since Stevie Howard, to be brutally honest. Um, I thought that was a Steve Howard type type header, and we're going back what 14, 15 years. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. Um, but I think Chris Martin had different um, skills to what Collins had, and different skills to what Howard had. But um, no, he's certainly proving that he's going to be a big, big, um, a big, big player for us this season. Um, and long may it, uh, long may it continue i just hope we have someone if we keep playing two up front that's gonna that that's gonna complement him well um because i don't think mcgoldrick is that second striker um and as we've, we've already touched on um asula and dobbin the jury's out with them so yeah i know we'll, we'll get on to asula and dobbin later on but 
Adam, that's seven for the season now um, for James Collins. And Chris mentioned there we've we've got other options available. Uh, who would you want up there to partner him? It's difficult because I think I've said this all season. I, I kind of preferred maybe maybe Collins and Asula up top. A bit of blend of youth and experience I think we need, but we saw in a Burton game. I think an experienced striker would have scored Dobbins' chance pretty easily. He did rush the finish, blazed it over the bar. And I just think, I think we need that blend of youth and experience up top. But Paul Warren doesn't seem to be going for it. He either plays Dobbin and Asula together or Collins and McGoldrick. So it is difficult. I just think the front line is a little bit too slow with both Dobbin, sorry, with Collins and McGoldrick up top together, which is a little bit unfortunate. But I, I prefer Dobbin out wide up top if I'm going to be honest I think he's better cutting inside but with the wingers we have he's not, he's not going to get to play out wide really so I'd have to go with Sula for his pace really yeah I mean it's a, it's a big call isn't it but the guy that you mentioned there Lewis Dobbin I mean you can call a player unlucky can't you if they miss a chance or they miss a couple of chances it's he's missing a lot of chances um Lewis Dobbin it's making it really tough I think and Watching back the game yesterday, watching the highlights, that one-on-one, I mean, Vic, I, we've seen some bad misses this season, especially from Lewis Dobbin. He's missed a couple of sitters. I remember that one in the pizza trophy against Man City, which was quite a similar scenario. He's thrown goal one-on-one with the keeper and doesn't even hit the target. I mean, what's running through your mind when he did that? I thought if that goes in, that's 2-0. That's game put to bed then. That's three points taken. But I think, and I think Paul won the lead. It was, I think he struggles with confidence. So he beats himself up a lot if he misses a chance. Um, we all thought he might kick on from that goal he scored against Torquay, but he sort of, sort of gone back into his shell again. I mean, that was it was a brilliant chance for us to really sort of get the three points last night um, against Burton. But I think with him, he's, conf- he's going to keep beating himself up about it the more chances he misses. And that's what worries me um, going forward, especially when it comes to the business end of the season. Um, I don't want to be too harsh on the lad because he's very young and is inexperienced showed with missing that chance. But these chances he's missing are costing us points. Um, we should have put that game to bed yesterday with that. Um, and how long can we really continue with that going forward? I don't know, um, especially if we're trying to get into that promotion race. So, I mean, hope, hopefully, just for the lad himself and his development, I hope he scores soon and gets under a bit of a purple patch. But... The longer it continues, it's, it's going to be difficult. And yeah, Callum, Vic mentioned there, you know, he's lost confidence. It seems that he never really had any from minute one. Uh, I can't remember, apart from that ridiculous volley that he scored, him actually hitting a shot right. Every single shot, he seems to skew wide or blaze over the bar. And is it concerning you too that you know we, we've got a player in our team that seems pretty incapable of scoring goals when he's meant to be one of the players that's bringing goals to the team I don't, I don't know if I'm concerned um, I mean he, he finished really well it was it I think it was in the um, Papa John's trophy early on in the other oh, knockarounds or it was in the EFL Cup Mansfield um, I think Matt, yeah and yeah. And, he, and he finished that really well um, and you kind of thought Okay, he knows where the goal is. He knows how to finish. Um, placed it nice and well. And that's all he needed to do against Burton, to be honest. I think he just overthought it. It's one of them where you have too much time. You're running from the halfway line, one on one. You've got a, a defender trying to come and obviously attack your back at you, and he's just blazed it over. 
he's got the quality. Um, I mean, he's like I said, he's finished in that game. He did that wonder strike against Torquay, so he knows how to finish. And he's and he was good in the Everton under twenty ones. That's why we obviously picked him up. He's just looking lacking in confidence, bless him. And I think he's one of them, like uh, Vic said, and he was spot on where he just looks like he beats himself up. Um, like when he was running back after missing that, he he never got back in the game. Um, and it's just whether Paul Warren has the patience with him to either stick with him for the rest of the season and work with him, or if he uh, lets him go. Well, that that's that's a big thing, isn't it? Um, Chris talking there about you know how he he beats himself up. It it seems to get into his head a little bit. Um, we've seen a lot about the Paul Warren mentality, haven't we? And the whole thing with Paul Warren is, you know, you want really confident players, give it everything for the badge. Do you think Paul Warren will look at that and be concerned that, you know, he's a young, impressionable lad and every chance he misses just seems to hit him like a train? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm I'm not, I'm, I don't want to sound arrogant for what I'm saying here, but I think, Derby County might be for his first big loan. It might be, it might be too big a club for him, and the and the pressure that's put on him by the fans and by the club, let alone himself, might be just just a bit too much. I mean, I look at him. I've looked at him a few times this season and thought he's a League Two player currently. That's his sort of that's his sort of level, and to to expect him to be banging into goals in a promotion pushing league in League One for his first season might be a bit too much. I know he's at a Premier League um, under-21 side, but that's a completely different kettle of fish to League One. So, yeah, I don't think him beating himself up is doing him any any good, but should that pressure be put on him in the, in, uh, the first place would be my argument. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. But to be honest, Chris, I, I think he's actually a good footballer. I think on the ball, he's great. I think on the right, especially, I think he looks a good player. And when he, he carries the ball and he beats players and he spins players really well, but it's it's that final finish, isn't it? That's the thing that lets him down. And I think that's what sets apart, you know, average players from good players, having that that final moment. You know, Mendes Lang's got it, hasn't he? He gets into that... That's, you know, 18-yard box and he'll hammer it bottom corner or he'll put a ball across and he, he more often than not makes the right decision. And with Dobbin, it seems that he's always making the wrong decision. And but, I, Yeah, but you're talking about a player starting his career and a player right at the end of his, his career. Yeah. I think it's a little harsh. But no, I do get what I do get what you what you're saying there. And that will come. Mm. I just dispute whether it's going to come quickly enough for us. Yeah. I, well, you've just got to hope so, haven't you? You've just got to hope so. But I guess that opens up another question, Adam. Um, and that question is, should Dobbin and Asula be allowed to go back in January? I mean, Warren's mentioned already, he was quite cagey, wasn't he, when talking about um, Anang, Joseph Anang, about whether he'd go back after his loan, um, you know, because he's not featured and he's unlikely to feature for Derby now or out of every cup. So... You know, Dobbin and Asula, I mean, Asula had that great game against Accrington, but neither of them have pulled up trees. You let those two and Anand go back and suddenly Warren's got three loan spots to use. So what do you reckon, Adam? It is difficult. Obviously, I think Anang, I don't think he's going to break into the side, in my opinion, Wild Smith's my player of the season so far, how much he's improved. In terms of Asula and Dobbin, I'm probably living off the Accrington game, but I thought they were both brilliant in that game. But then again, 
you've got to be sensible and they've got to be scoring more, really. We're going to be coming into the halfway point in the season. We know what Derby are like. We're going to have a rough February where, where we draw and lose more than we win. It's bound to happen. And you're going to need players to step up in those moments to pull us through. You look back at Cameron Jerome. He pretty much did it at the back end of one season, dragged us into the playoffs. And we're going to need players like that who can do that. And if Asula and Dobbin are doing it now, it's difficult to tell will they be doing it at the end of the season. They are young and it could be two more loan spots that we could have in January, which would be vital. But then I've got to ask the question, if Asula and Dobbin go back to their clubs and then come back on loan in League One, they are getting chances here and there. They're just not finishing. Mm. They could be finishing for another team like Portsmouth in the promotion race, I think. So it's a bit difficult. I think with an experienced striker, they'd be taking the chances that Asula and Dobbin would have had coming their way, like Dobbin's against Burton. But, I do feel like they'll have a run of form at some point and hopefully prove us wrong. But at the moment, it, you probably could send them back and find two replacements. Mm, yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. And Vic, I won't put you on the spot and ask for, for specifics of, of players you'd want us to bring in. Um, but if Asula and Dobbin were to go back, what two positions of players would you want to bring in? Um, hmm. A good one. Uh, just purely based on the injuries he's picking up at the minute, I think we need a right winger. Because if Mendes Lang gets injured, we've seen it where we struggle to actually have any attacking impetus in the side. So I think we'd have to go for a, a natural right winger, or maybe someone young and up and coming, like what we expected Dobbin to be like. But obviously, someone that will literally stick by the lines, put a decent crossing, or even go for a shot and hit the back of the net. The other position, I'd probably say left back just because i think we're really light there um over right for... back yeah again sorry over right back yeah because i think Corey smith has made that position his own and listening to his interview uh just before burton um he seems very comfortable in wanting to play in that position i know he's played there for i think it was swansea in his earlier days mm. so i think we might be pretty comfortable with Corey being there and i think and I noticed this against the MK Dons game. He puts Mendes Lang in his position in terms of trying to track back. And, and I think that's essential for what we might need, obviously, on that right side. So I think that'd be fine. I think left back we're quite light on because um, Hayden Roberts in and out the side. Ozzy is cemented that place at centre-back and I, I can't see him being moved out. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably go for a left back if we need to. But then then again, it's we're a striker less if we send a Sula back. So it's, it's, mm. it's a bit... <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not an easy one is it it's not an easy one and uh, Callum I was just watching your face then when when Vic was talking about left about Corey Smith uh, uh, being comfortable at right back and this is one of your questions that you suggested for this episode what positions do we need strengthening I mean judging by your face I'm guessing you think right back's a priority no I, I think Corey although he is doing a job there um when we, I was watching on Saturday, he was letting crosses come in quite happily and stuff like that. I think we need a right back quite essentially. If you look behind him, who is the when if I look at left back, there is a cup, although the quality might not be there. There's a couple of players who can play in that position. And I just think that um I think both fullback areas I think are central. I think that and to um Paul Warren's system, um, they're essential and we just don't have them in the arsenal at the moment. Um so they're for me quite key positions that I think we need to fill in. It's just, I don't know who's out there on a free and a loan that uh, we can actually go and get to be honest. That's 
Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's the big thing, isn't it? Is is who's actually available? I know Warren said in the past that you know the, the state of the market wasn't ideal, um, which obviously isn't ideal for us. Um, and yeah, we've we've heard nothing about the head of recruitment being appointed either. So you've just got to hope that we've got someone in before January because. If we've not got a head of recruitment, that's Warren and his team doing it themselves, and that's far from ideal. So, yeah, it's 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 a difficult one. Um, Chris, would you agree with Callum that you know we need to shore up those fullback spots? Absolutely. And if we're um, if we're sticking with with um, three five two, we need two natural wing backs. It's as simple as that. Um, I don't think we've got the the strength and depth. We've had numerous discussions about um, Mendes Lang and. Barkhouse and playing as playing as wing backs. Um, I just think we need more natural width. Um, I don't think we need um, strengthening up up top because I think if Asula goes back or Dobbin or both of them, one of the positions will will be another striker. Um, but I think yeah, definitely width is where we need a lot of um, we, we need we need a lot of lot of help. And I'd say three, maybe four players need to come in. Who, who can play right back, left back, and wing back, and um, actually attacking wingers, um, and that's where we need to need to strengthen because we're in the middle of the pitch. The spine, uh, despite my reservations about certain players, the spine's really good. <laughs> I wonder who. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree, um, and yeah, if you you listen to the last episode, you'll know exactly who uh, who Chris will be on about there. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's right. The spine's good. It's the rest of the team that we need to work on. And when we think of the spine, we've we've played a bit of a weird system recently, the 3-5-2. Now, when I look at this Derby team, Adam, I don't see us as a 3-5-2 team. We don't have any wing backs. So when I watch us play this formation, it just confuses the life out of me. Um, we saw later on in the game, Mendes Lang actually came on as a striker because we were playing 3-5-2. He's not a wing-back. We don't want him at wing-back, so he's got to play up front. I mean, what do you think to us playing this formation? I think like you bring up about Mendes Lang, it's difficult with this formation to bring in players like Barkhausen and Mendes Lang because then they have a defensive responsibility which, are, which doesn't play to their strength at all and we have better players to play those defensive roles. So, we're almost compromising do we want to go attacking or defensive in de- depending on how we line up if we go with Barkhausen and Mendes Lang clearly we're going attacking but I-, I see us with a solid four at the back really for Sites made that centre-back position his own with Cashin you've got Sibley who can slot in at left back you've got Corey Smith at right back you've got Hayden Roberts as well I think I think going four at the back would be the way forward with Derby especially with the the attacking players we have uh, I think playing four at the back would definitely favour us because it seems like we get drawn into the opposition style of play, definitely away from home. I understand the way we play is similar to Burton Albion's, but in that game on Saturday, we got drawn in a lot to play in their way and they were just hammering crosses into the back post and we couldn't handle it. So I don't think it is the way forward, but with the team that we have at the moment, the way Paul Warren wants to play, then I think we are going to be going forward with it. Yeah, and, and Vic, that that's my concern as well for what Adam said, is that it is what Wall wants to do. But, I mean, with the way that we played, especially in the second half on Saturday, and I think that the big thing for me was the way we sort of, yeah, as Adam said, we were, we were trying to hammer balls to the back post. We were playing long balls. We didn't keep the ball at all. It, I think it makes us look poor. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, second half, it was almost as if we weren't even in the game. Burton really come along strong and uh, we were playing long ball, which is something we're probably not used to doing this season. And yeah, again, with the fullback situation, I think we do need to address it. Um, the only thing is, I, I do agree with Adam, I think we should play four at the back, but then I like the idea of two up top as well. I think that really brings out Collins' game to a more natural sort of play. And it suits him because if he knows he's got a second striker, he can make those runs, he can make those turns, and he can get himself into space to get those goals. Seeing it previous in early on in the season when he was playing up top on his own, he was too isolated, and that's why he wasn't scoring any goals. So, yeah, I'd like four at the back. I'd like two up top as well. So that means my formation would have to be the old-fashioned four four two if we go like that. <laughs> yeah, I think... Diamond, maybe we do a four to uh, the midfield four as a diamond, but yeah, yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because some of our best players are wingers, but we want to play two up top, and there's very few formations you can play two up top with wide players. I mean, I I don't really like the three five two, but I think the three four three doesn't look bad at all when you know you've got the likes of Barquez and Dobbin, Mendes, Lang been freed up to just do the attacking work and then you've got Sibley and Smith either side but we seem to be you know going back to the two and and having Collins and, and McGoldrick as the two because I guess neither of them are going to play out wide you know neither of them are going to want to play that role so I guess if you want both of them on the pitch you've got to play two but then you know again yeah that's that's the issue I do think the four two three one looked good when we did that I think it looked really good so I mean, Callum, you say they're the 4-2-3-1. I mean, the Bristol game is sort of the big one that I can think of where that formation worked well. Is that a formation you'd want us to play? I think it's one that the players um, seem to obviously just be for more, more familiar with um, because, um, I mean, Rooney played it quite frequently and a few players that have obviously carried over into this season are quite used to that. Um, and then obviously Rosinha started with the four and, and uh, with the wingers. I just think, um, obviously listening to you guys there, I think like, I think I made the point last week, I'm happy with whatever formation Paul wants to go forward with. Um, if that's 3-5-2, I think for me, he just looks like he's trying to just eke it slowly into the players um, now um, for when we have the personnel. Because I think if he just drops it on them when he brings in all his players and goes, oh, we're going to go 3-5-2 now, they're going to, well, we haven't played this all season. So I think if he just, I think like if the Burton game, I think he tried to just shore it up. And I think Curtis Davis coming on, trying to just put that formation in where it's a little bit more solid on appearance um, was the idea. Um, and as I said, I think Paul's just trying to get that formation just slowly integrated into the minds of the players um, now than, like I said, six months down the line and just drop it on them and they're not going to know what they want to do. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, you just got to hope that this this drip feeding of, of such a horrible formation uh, ends up working. Because, yeah, it's kind of weird because it's not really a, a formation you see a lot in football, is it? It's, you see a lot of 3-4-3s. I can't say I've seen a lot of 3-5-2s. Maybe I'm blind. Maybe I just haven't seen them. But I, I can't remember seeing too many of them. So, yeah, it is a bit of a weird one, but Callum, you've made a, a comment there about Davis, and now I'm going to throw some at you, Chris, that might be quite controversial, and I think you know what's coming. Curtis Davis was brilliant last season. We spoke about it last week, about should he come back in. He came on, 
and instantly I thought we looked a lot shakier than we did before. I think we struggled to keep the ball. I think, I know he's just coming back from injury, so obviously you've got to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. But do you think maybe, just maybe, this might be one season too many for Derby's captain? Well, I'm just looking back through my note, Jakes, from last week's pods and a lot, a lot of comments on Twitter about him being the captain and walking straight back in. I wasn't sure who said that. Jamie, um, Jamie said that. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's not here this week. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think the, the, I think that, that debate from one, um, from one substitution yesterday, I, I don't think it's fair on him. Um, do I think he, he he should have been thrown in at one 0 up to hold to hold a lead against Burton? No, but I don't think it's a case of him should he, he should stop playing football. Um, I don't, I don't think, think anyone's he, saying that. <laughs> well, you you said one season you said one season too many. He isn't he isn't he isn't going to join anyone else, is he? After us, so basically, once he beats us, it's going to be um, he's going to go straight into in into a coaching role. Um, but no, I think you know. Yesterday he was thrown on to try and hold on to a lead, and a lead that should have been two or should have been um, should have been two or three nil, not not one nil. And um, I just cannot, I, I cannot fathom the argument that that's him over now. I'm sorry, I just can't fathom it. Adam, <laughs> um, Curtis Davis. I'm stuck. I love Curtis Davis, but I think uh, I don't see where he gets into the team now with Scythe and Cashin at the back. I think I've, I've seen the clip from last week's pod. I was like, oh, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not one season too many, but it is a case of, I think at this, taking everything into consideration, he's coming back from injury, his age, he is the weak link at the back. I think he will do a job at times when we need to call upon him. I'm not going to blame him for the loss against Burton Harbin. I think as a team, we all need him to be a lot better. Okay. But I think I don't think he will be starting any games as of right now with the form of the players that we have. And like he is coming back from injury. I think I think this this will be his final season, realistically, in football. Mm. I think he knows that. So I don't think it's one season too many, but I think it's just it's just about picking the right moments for Curtis Davis to come on in games to mm. play to his strengths and also to play to our own strengths, really. Yeah, yeah, it's a very balanced and measured answer. I like it. That was very good. Um, so, I mean, if there's any anything else anyone wants to add on the game, what I, what I will say is that's a lot of draws now. Um, we've had, I can't remember, we're, we're, you know, 11 unbeaten, but we've drawn seven or eight of them. So, I mean, it is a bit of a worry, isn't it? But you've just got to hope that we, we can turn that around. But next game, Forest Green, home game, day before the World Cup final. I mean, it's going to be a really interesting one, Vic, isn't it? It's They're a team that, you know, they've struggled so far this season, but they've they've won three in a row. Yeah, it's, it's, going, it's going to be a funny one. They'll be up for it. Um, they'll have a big, probably, a, well, I wouldn't say a big away following, but... A decent ish away following. Um got some decent players there. I've noticed Connie Wickham's there. So that's a threat up top. Um it'll be a tough game for us. I think the disappointment of drawing against Burton, Derby are gonna want to rectify the wrongs of that game. So the pressure will be on us a little bit. We're coming into that Christmas period now as well. Um 
I fully expect us to get the three points. Um, just as long as we stick to our game plan and do what we have to do. But I mean, like I said we'd struggle against Burton. I think we might struggle against Forest Green because I think they're going to be tough to break down. Um, they're going to probably put every every player behind the ball. But we know that they've got the quality up top as well. And winning three on the bounce, again, is going to play into their favour because they've got the momentum now. Whereas we're drawing five and seven. So winning for us seems a bit of a long-distant memory. But we're solid at the back. And I guess if you can do that, that's half your job done. We just need to be more clinical up top. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, Callum, you look at Forest Green, you look at, you know, they're a team that... Uh, Maybe not punching above their weight, but this is probably the the best they've ever been, and possibly may ever be. You know, this this is a, a good division for them to play in, considering their history. When you look at, at Forest Green, you look at us. As Vic said, they're going to come to Pride Park. They're going to try and grind out a draw. How do you see it going? I think it's one of them games that um, I mean, we've got a rare home game, um, which seems like, like I said, it's uh, like a rarity for us. Uh, <laughs> so I think for me, we, I think we're, I'm just looking at the fixtures here. We're playing um, these on uh, Saturday. We've got Cambridge, Accrington, and Barnsley at home in four of five of the next games. So it's like, and they're all at home. We need to make these home games count mm. um, and get um, our strikers firing. Um, I think um, when you looked at the home games under Paul Warren previously, um, they've been a poor, not poor performance, um, but we've actually been performing better away from home than at home. So we need to get that home form turned around and what better way than doing against a team that, although they're in form, they're at that bottom end of the the, the table or mid part of the table that on paper we should be getting the a three points uh, against. Yeah, yeah, uh, and Chris, obviously, no disrespect to Forest Green because I'm sure their fans will be the first to admit they're not the biggest club. Um, you know, we've got a really good side. We're pushing for the playoffs. We should win this, shouldn't we? Yeah, and I wish it was that easy. Um, <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Course, you know, every every team like Forest Green who comes to play part of the season, it's their biggest away day. Let's let let's be honest. Um, they're gonna be up for it. And we have to rise to, we have to rise to the occasion each and every time. We've done it sometimes this season, but you look at like the Port Vale game, for example, I I hope history doesn't um hope history doesn't repeat itself, but we need to get up. We need to get up early, and we need we need to dominate. Because if you give a team like Forest Green a sniff, they're gonna jump right on it. And I don't think we're stable enough at the at at the back at the moment to cope with long balls being flung in our box every two minutes. So we've got yeah. to go out and assert ourselves. Yeah, yeah, you're right, and you've just got to hope that we do. And and finally, Adam, um, we've spoken about. Derby connections in previous podcasts. They've got their own Derby connection. Carl uh, McAllister, who I'm pretty sure played on the winger up front, he seems to play at left back for Forest Green. Um, how much of a threat will he cause? Oh, what a question, Jay! <laughs> Watching week in, week out. Watching week in, week out. Um, to be fair, I remember when we signed him. I'm sure we paid a fee for him, but um, obviously got injured and went straight back. So. To be honest, can't tell you much more. No, he was decent on football manager, but if you want to base anything off that, then then who knows? But 
but no, I, I do. I think it's going to be a difficult game on Saturday, but I just want to talk about finishing games off in the first half. We should have done it against Burton and we're going to need to do that on Saturday, especially if we want to progress as a team. So hopefully we can do that. But who knows? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, wow. <laughs> that was sobering, <laughs> that was, mate. Are you all right? <laughs> I'm not, not calling punditry, that was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, quick fire score predictions to finish this off then. Uh, Vic, go for it. 2 0, Derby. 2 0. Let's hope you're right. Callum. 3 1, Derby. 3 1. Chris. 4 2. 4 2. Uh, Adam. 4 0. For 4 0. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, I, I like it. I like it. And I think if our score predictions were reality, we'd be flying high at the top of the league because I don't think anyone's ever predicted us to lose. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say I think it'll be a 3-1. I think they'll get an early one and then, yeah, our class will shine through. But, lads, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, and, yeah, if people did enjoy the episode, please do check out our Twitter account. We post clips. We post stuff to talk about. Um, you know, building a community at the minute. So if if you're not following us on Twitter, we'd like you to get involved. And of course, we follow everyone back. Um, if you like listening on audio and want to catch the video stuff, you can catch that on Twitter at Rams Talk Pod, or you can catch it on YouTube where we're the Rams Talk Podcast and vice versa. If you're a video watcher and you want to listen back, make sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Music or whatever you listen on. So great episode. Thank you very much for coming on, lads. All a pleasure, Jake. Thank you. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.